Hour number four of the Bill Michaels Show on a Friday. All Packers all the time. Packers getting ready to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up on Sunday. Noon kickoff again. A reminder that we are going to be at the Stillery in Grafton. The Stillery in Grafton and join us. The Green and Gold Postgame Show is going to emanate live from the Stillery in Grafton. We cannot wait. Uh, it is Veterans Weekend. Uh, thank you to all of our veterans. We appreciate it so much, everything that you have done, the sacrifices you have made, you, your families. And uh, we want to say thanks. And one of the things that are being done this weekend, uh, and happy birthday to the Marines, by the way, as well. If you are a Marine out there or have a Marine in your family, I think we all know one. Uh, the Marines uh, had a birthday today. Um, but we wanted to say thanks. And by doing that, kind of putting one, our money where our mouth is. So, uh, and, oh, by the way, uh, Mark, who said, yeah, I'm sure you're getting paid to go to the story. I'm not charging one dime to, to, to take the show on the road. We're not getting paid anything, anything. Maybe, maybe I'll get a burger, but beyond that, nothing, because this is a complete donation. They're supporting Fisher House, Wisconsin, so I'll, I'll do that for free. I, absolutely, man. Do it for free. So for our military and such, we're going to be there this coming weekend. And starting today, today, tomorrow, and on Sunday, t- uh, a, a portion of the proceeds are going to be donated to Fisher House, Wisconsin, from the distillery in Grafton, not the distillery in Richfield. They're doing it to a different uh, veterans charity. So you can't go wrong either way, but I, you know, me, I prefer, you know, the distillery in Grafton. So come on out on Sunday, and we're going to have a Packers watch party, Packers and uh, Steelers, coming up on Sunday, and then immediately following the game, the Green and Gold postgame show is going to be there. So come on out and join us. Come on out and have some good food, some good drinks. Hell, they're called distillery, for God's sakes. They have really great bourbons and whiskeys if you want to try that. And then the Green and Gold Postgame Show afterwards. And, hell, if you even want to make a donation straight to the Fisher House, and we'll just put a jar up and bring it out, and we'll, we'll deposit it and put it right in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks so much to everybody for thinking about joining us and for all of our military mem- members, uh, veterans and such that are out there, uh, and Marines. Thanks so much. Uh, for what you do. We certainly appreciate it. Um, this one, uh, I got an email here, and I, I got to read this one. This is from uh, Tim. Tim says, Bill, it's easy to blame Goody for the lack of star talent, and rightfully so, but where do the scouts fit into all of this? Are they then evaluated? Yeah, Tim, they are. That's a great point. Uh, now, the general manager takes the heat, right, for what's picked, what isn't picked, and such. Trades that are and aren't made. Uh, but I agree with you. And But ultimately, when you talk about any NFL franchise and the life's blood of an NFL franchise has got to be its draft choices. Got to be. I was told by Ron Wolf years ago. I said, Ron, what makes a successful draft? He said, if, if it's an ordinary draft and you have seven draft choices, one's a pro bowler. Three of them, three others are really good. And then you get another guy to, that's a pretty good special teamer. If you can do that every year, you're going to build an outstanding team. A pro bowler and three guys that are, you know, above average. And then, like, one guy that's going to be a pretty good special teamer. Because you're, ne- you're, you're never going to hit on everybody. You just don't. Because you're taking once you get into specifically into the later rounds, you you kind of hit and miss. But those those upper echelon players where you really expect something out of them, that's where all the focus is, because they have the numbers one, two, or three in front of their names. First round, second round, third round draft choices, you know, 
So, but when you are not putting pro bowlers on the field, your team is a bunch of dudes. Think about that. Your team's a bunch of dudes. And so, yeah, as Brian Gutekinds goes, you know, he has to evaluate the evaluators, right? I mean, that's his job. And if a guy is consistently coming to the to the table and bringing you guys that he swears by and they're not pro bowlers and they're not above average dudes and the, that guy is not getting guys on this squad that are impact players, then you've got a scout that maybe you don't know what the hell he's looking at. So now you got to go back, right? You go back to, uh, you know, his first pick, Jair Alexander. Hell of a player, but he's hurt, right? Everybody else, nothing. How many how many picks were there? Uh, God, there was there was eleven picks in two thousand and eighteen. The only guy on this team is Jair Alexander out of eleven picks. Two thousand and nineteen, Rashawn Gary, solid. Darnell Savage Jr. A guy. Elton Jenkins been solid had the knee injury had to come back but has played got off to a slow start but has played really well over the last three four five games really well back to Elton Jenkins level after that Jay Sternberger Kingsley Kiki I mean nobody else nobody else so in two years four guys have stuck all four guys have played well but you don't have consistent pro bowlers right 2020 Jordan Love Above average, do you want to be generous and say that? Or do you just want to say just a guy? A.J. Dillon, just a guy. Josiah DeGuara, nothing. John Runyon, been pretty good. Jake Hansen, backup at best. Kamal Martin, Simon Stepaniak, Vernon Scott, Jonathan Garvin. Where's your pro bowlers? 2021, Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, Amari Rogers, Royce Newman, T.J. Slayton, Shamar Jean Charles, Corvan Lannan, Isaiah McDuffie, Kylan Hill. Where's your pro bowlers? Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Kingsley Angabari, Tariq Carpenter, Jonathan Ford, Rashid Walker, Samari Torre. Guys, some above average, where's your, where's your pro bowler? You're getting the sense, right? You got a bunch of guys and above average guys, that's it. So sure, you have to evaluate the talent, talent evaluators. I, I 100% agree with you. I, and I think uh, after this year, Goody might do that. Uh, Matt Brown says, uh, hey, Bill, after just hearing that dissertation on Goody, do you think he is on the hot seat? I think a general manager is always on the hot seat. I think you get a couple of years to shape it into what it is you believe, but I think you're always on the hot seat. I really do. Um, now, do I think this is a year in which they make a change? Uh, let's, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. I'm not calling for a change. But let's wait and see. Um, because if this thing goes really, really, really bad, then I think the first change would probably be the head coach. After that, uh, yeah, maybe you start to look at the talent level. Because if you do that, 
That means Mark Murphy then is changing the head coach, changing the general manager, flipping this franchise and handing it, handing it to somebody. What you don't want, if you're Mark, you have built a, a tremendous business. You've got the business side of this thing's been humming along, right? What you want to do is make sure when you leave, the train is on the tracks. So you can look at the next president and go, here you go, here's the keys, don't screw it up. Make it better, but don't screw it up. As opposed to, hey, I'm leaving you, the cupboard is bare. You don't have a lot of talent, the GM's on the hot seat, the head coach, you know. The only thing, I've got the draft here, and after that, peace out, peace out, you know. You don't want that. You don't want to go, here's the keys, and the next guy then has to come in and start thinking about GMs and searches and all that. You you don't want to do that. So I, I, I think if there's a real thought in the back of Mark's head that things just simply aren't right, that, yeah, I think maybe he would make a change. Maybe he would. I don't think it's that incredibly far-fetched. If they make a change and they go to hire a new head coach, does Brian Gudikins get complete agency over that hire? Because remember, when they hired LaFleur, it was Mark Murphy. Everything circles back to Mark Murphy now after he reorganized the front office. So I'm wondering if mm-hmm. if they decide that Matt LaFleur is no longer the guy, does Goody get to pick his own coach 100% now? Because that's not what happened last time. No. No, I think that Goody finds the short list of candidates, and they're probably, you know, and even Mark probably gets them sent to him. But I'm sure that they kind of come to a consensus together, which is, which I'm okay with. You know, I'm okay with that. But here's the question. If they say, decide, Matt's not the guy, does Mark say, hmm, I don't know if there's enough talent here for Matt to actually win. I think there's been a lot of bad choices. Does he say, Matt, I'm sorry, I don't think you're doing enough with this team. I'm going to talk to you later. Does he blow everybody out and say, Brian, man, come on. Where, where, where are the, just, I listen to Bill Michael show. Where are the pro bowlers? Where are they at? Where, where's the upper level echelon of this team? Now, if I'm Goody, I'm saying, here's my, here's what's in my back pocket. A whole lot of money. And I've been pretty good when I've spent money. When I've got free agents and bring them in, I've been pretty good with that. So I can fortify the young guys by bringing in some pretty good veterans. That I'm okay with. And maybe that's what he says. He said, okay, we'll give you another shot, but... Um, you know, is is Matt LaFleur the guy to guide this new group? So that's that's going to be the ask. I, 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 I don't even think they need a six-game losing streak. I really believe a lot of decisions are going to be made in the next three weeks. I really believe that. Really believe it. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's do this. We're going to step out, take a quick break. When we come back. Mike Clemens is going to join us. Mike's going to be here to take us the rest of the way. I'm excited for this. Mike uh, gets off the air and then immediately heads to Pittsburgh today. Immediately. So we'll have Mike Clemens bringing us everything from inside a locker room and inside Acrisure Stadium uh, coming up this weekend down there in Pittsburgh, PA as well. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. Mike Clemens. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas. Prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 11 And then also the uniqueness of his phrases are really important as well because people remember them. Like you used the word popcorn a couple times. What did you mean by that? Um, a splattering of incidences. One here, one there, one there. I think Mike is great at painting pictures. And those sayings, those uh, Tomlinisms, uh, they can immediately have a context. Ball in the hair plus grass! Ball in the hair plus grass! Woo! I remember Chuck Noll and some of those phrases he had like that 40 years ago. Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Either drinking wine or squashing grapes. <laughs> it's a fine line between you know, drinking wine and squashing grapes, as we say in this business, and sometimes it's very subtle. Don't blink, let's go. Don't blink ever, ever, cut your eyelids off. I don't think a lot about the things that I say, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just trying to use words to vividly capture the imagination of our guys so that they can remember the messages, so that they can somehow be ingrained in their mind, so they can somehow make it come alive inside stadiums on the grass. By whatever means we get that done, what a play. I'm for it. Mike Clemens brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, just a mile from Lambeau Field. Call them 920-494-3441 or go online at baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. That is a way to enter the program today. Man, what a uh, compilation of Mike Tomlin and company, Mike. That's uh, squashing grapes or drinking wine. I like to do both, to be honest with you. I like all those things, don't you? <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Um, I remember McCarthy finding out that Mike Tomlin had been hired. If I'm not mistaken, he said, yeah, yeah, he got me by, by four months. Like, what do you mean? Well, um, when Tomlin was hired then, he became the youngest head coach in the NFL at that time in the league, and McCarthy being a little upset. Plus, plus you know, he got the Steelers' job, which really – in his heart of hearts, Mike McCarthy would have loved to have been the head coach of the Steelers. But Tomlin has been there since 07. So think about all the other, you know, let's see, um, Belichick, uh, Pete, Pete Carroll. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he's been there now a long time. And so we asked uh, Matt LaFleur, by the way, Mike Tomlin has been the head coach of the Steelers longer than Matt has been in the NFL. How about that? Yeah, I mean, every every year, much like we just heard, that there's always this talk that will Mike Tomlin survive and is this going to be a year in which he has a sub-500 record and he just keeps trucking along, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, he's got a defense that's working pretty good. So LaFleur was asked, you know, what do you, what do you know about Mike Tomlin? You been around him? 
Yeah, I've gotten to know Mike a little bit just, you know, through our time together at owners meetings at the Combine. And then uh, he's very close with Raheem Morris, who I'm close with. But he's a guy that I've got as much respect for in this business as anybody. Not only how he handles himself, but when you look at the, the quality of teams that he's put out there. And I don't think he's ever had a losing season, which is incredible. He's a guy that I think... If you ask any player, any coach in this league, I, I don't think there's anybody that's not going to respect him, just how he carries himself, how he coaches his teams. And you can you can bet that they're always going to be well-prepared and very physical and very sound. And, yeah, he's the model of consistency in this league. Now, Mike, we just had Will Graves of the AP on from Pittsburgh, and he was telling us a little bit about, you know, the similarities between these two teams. But, Kenny Pickett was supposed to take this big step forward this year and just just hasn't, for lack of a better term. So, you know, I mean, a lot of the blame, though, was on Matt Canada, remember, their offensive coordinator, because they wanted him fired because the play calling sucked. and They just couldn't figure it out. Their offense still is not great by any stretch of the imagination, but is it getting better? They're still trying to replace Roethlisberger, right? And, you know, Matt Canada as offensive coordinator for Mike, uh, you know, he got stuck with Trubisky there for a couple of years, or at least one year. Trubisky is now the, the backup quarterback on that on that team. So uh, in the meantime, they're making these weird little moves. Kenny Pickett, who you know went to Pitt, right there, uh, he worked with a quarterback coach to improve his throwing technique. A guy named Davis Webb, a quarterback coach. And so one of the things that Tomlin did is, okay, let's get the offense coordinator out of the box upstairs, bring him down to the field, and maybe that'll help game time. And it helped in a drive that they put together to win over the Titans. And Kenny Pickett talked about moving his offensive coordinator, Canada, down to the sideline. Yeah, I think the con- the, the communication between me and Coach was great. Um, I think it was awesome after we had our conversation on what we want to do the next series. He was able to go kind of talk to each position group and kind of give them, you know, what we're looking to do that next drive. I think that, I think that was huge. So there's a lot of positives um, that came away from it. So I think we can continue to build on that. How often have you had a play caller on the sideline versus? Yeah, Coach Whip was on the on the uh, sideline and he gave me the play verbally. So I would jog over. I'm sure the Pitt fans remember I jog over and get the plays and jog back in. But that got me so ready to for the NFL. It was very similar hearing it in the headset. Um, and he came from the league, so it was comfortable for him doing it. So I have experience with it, um, and I think there's a lot of positives you get with uh, having the caller on the field. Now, Mike, uh, you know, for as good as Mike Tomlin is and as respected as he is seemingly inside that locker room, there there have been guys that have not, you know, through this, you know, Kenny Pickett thing wanted to be there because they're just not winning consistently and there's not a lot of belief that they're going to go deep into the postseason if they do get there consistently. You know what I mean? Right. The Steelers, they bring in characters, man. You know, a little crazy football players. And think about Tomlin, all the good years he got out of Antonio Brown until he couldn't take it anymore. Right. And that moved on. And they've got this George Pickens kid. I think this is his second year. He was a second-round pick out of Georgia. And last week they, they, they win on Thursday night. They beat the Titans. But uh, Pickens tweets out on uh, or puts out on Instagram, Free me, you know, like he's he's being chained down because he only got one target, and I think two the week before. So there's always a little bit of that drama in the Steelers locker room, and the young quarterback Kenny Pickett asked, you know, what do you, how do you think about that situation? 
No, you, you understand it. it. It makes sense. You're not um, you're not questioning it. You understand why it's there. Um, you just want to continue to you know stay together. That's the biggest thing. As that game you know went on in the fourth quarter, um, the fact that we all stay together and found a way to win is a really important factor. The uh, the the Packers defense has been playing better as of late, and they're not facing a juggernaut in an offense by any stretch of the imagination. But they do run the ball, and the Packers don't stop the run nearly as much, as well as they do the pass. Same thing with the Steelers. So is there anything comparison-wise, Mike, that we could kind of look at and go, okay, this team did this to the, to the Steelers. Maybe the Packers can do this to the Steelers. Yeah, and you're wondering what Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, how he's positioning this next opponent that they're welcoming in from Green Bay, what the Packers, what their defense looks like. And here's what the young quarterback said. Who would you compare him to? Uh, I can't give you a comp, but I can just say that they're really strong up front. They got, I think, you know, it all starts in the trenches. I think they got a great, you know, front four. They do some different things. Um, their linebackers are really aggressive, run well. Um, some veteran safeties that make a lot of plays on the ball and some of their zone coverage. They have some really good instincts for the ball. And then at corner, they have an elite corner in 23. Um, obviously, his, his resume speaks for itself. Um, so, you know, it's, it's another really talented defense. I think they're 10th in the league um, in points per game. So, you know, we have a challenge ahead of us. we got to come ready. You know, Mike, uh, we got a minute here real quick, and I wanted to ask you this because the other day we were sitting here talking about evaluations, and you said, and I wanted you to explain this for those that had not heard, heard it before, but this is one of those games where you've got this one, the Chargers game and the Detroit game, as you get into Thanksgiving Day, and then the evaluations. We all know it's a 10-game evaluation or nine-game evaluation now, but Gutekinds was specific about evaluations, but you know – that they sit down just after the Thanksgiving holiday, especially with that kind of, quote, mini-buy, and they really start looking at, because the college season is starting to wind down, they start looking at needs, who will and will not be with the team, correct? They do, and they start coming up with that grocery list of, uh, okay, what are our needs going to be? Who are we not probably not going to bring back? And who, what are those positions we really want to focus in if there's a game two left in the uh, regular season schedule with the college teams? Well, start looking in terms of free agency. You know, who, who are some players that may be free that we can bring, uh, bring up in the free agency? What positions are we going to need to fill? And uh, they made a move that I kind of asked around about yesterday. I think they took a healthy scratch on Samari Torre, you know, their fourth or fifth receiver. And who did they put in there? That Malik Heath kid, right. undrafted, that made the team. And he got a couple snaps uh, in last week's game. So, on the, on the other hand, they ain't going to be able to do that in the secondary because now it looks like Jair Alexander, who's been out the last two days with a sh- shoulder injury, and LaFleur was asked yesterday, gee, where, where do you think he's at? And he, he LaFleur's got a cold right now. He's been kind of a little grumpy all week. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, he's missed, he's missed practice the last two days, so that's probably not good, right? He was, he was a little <laughs> snappy about that. Right. But – uh, so, yeah, you're going to have a really young secondary, despite what Kenny Pickett was talking about there, um, to, for them to you know, par- perhaps pick apart. There are some really strange things about the Steelers team, though. Uh, they, they have not outgained their last opponents the last eight games. And that's some incri- crazy record that their defense is out there way too much, but they still win these games because they keep close and then they – throttle up and, and close in and score yeah. in the fourth quarter. The last time that a team had a winning record through eight games above 500 was 1933, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. 
Uh, let's do this. Mike uh, is on the line with us, Mike Clements. He's going to be in Pittsburgh on the ground on Sunday when we have the Green and Gold postgame show coming to you live from the Stillery in Grafton. Stay tuned. we got more with Mike coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. TJ's relentless. Uh, he is one of those game wreckers I was talking about. On the other side, Highsmith, he's a baller as well. So, And then not to mention all the guys they got you know, in, in the interior line. Obviously, Hayward's been doing it for a long time at, at a really elite level. So uh, their front is a problem. The words of Matt LaFleur. Welcome back to the program, The Bill Michaels Show. Appreciate you being here today on a Friday. Mike Clemens joining us on the hotline. And the Packers and the Steelers getting ready to square off this weekend in Pittsburgh. In the meantime, the Packers just kind of trying to kind of trying to figure out offensively, maybe start to get something rolling, you know. It's just uh but defensively you can't complain a lot because they've done enough to win ball games. They've done enough to be in ball games, but the offense needs to get out of its own way, especially in the first half of these games. So, Mike, uh, my assumption is is that the defense, while you know people want to scream about Joe Barry and such, it, that that really hasn't been the problem. You know what I mean? No. And when you mention offense, um, and I'm kind of waiting to find out what's going to happen to Jair, but um, you know the offensive line is banged up for sure, uh, and you really don't know who are your two best offensive tackles, and you've got these things you know, to work out. And uh, so that, and you know, and that's that's got to be disruptive for Jordan Love, and then he's off track with his, his passes. But uh, when you look at the Steelers' defense now, it's like here's they make these big plays. T.J. Watt's a leader of quarterback sacks, already nine and a half sacks as we head into week 10 here. Uh, and they, they're described as, well, you know, they're, they're like third in in, in the in the league at allowing the least amount of points, but they're near the bottom of getting off the field on third down, and so you know the other teams will have like a lot of time of possession on them, and so how can you be this you know this talented defense that's got these guys like um, Alex Highsmith, T.J. Watt in there, uh, Cameron Hayward. We won't see Montrevious Adams, our old uh, former Packer defensive lineman. He's dealing yeah. with an ankle now, so that's no fun. Uh, and so, you know, you asked T.J. Watt about this rep that you guys have about not having three and outs. I don't oh. view them as a bend-don't-break defense. I think they've given up some. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely putting an emphasis on three and outs, just trying to get off the field. I mean, anywhere you look, they're really – uh, elite good defenses uh, are on the sidelines a lot and uh, that's something that we're trying to do and uh, I feel like we're moving in the right direction but by no means are we there yet yeah I keep uh, having my phone go off here in the background you hear that <laughs> yeah, yeah. every now and then yeah it's probably Brett or Aaron Rodgers trying to call me one of the two those guys one are of the such two. a nuisance yeah yeah and that was what I asked LaFleur like you know they're describing this as a bendo break uh, defense really and and um, and did we play TJ there? Is that what yeah, we, we played just played there? TJ. Yeah. yeah, that's who you yeah, threw so, it to. Yeah, yeah. So so I so I carried that over then to Lafleur after watching the TJ Watt press conference about yeah, bend don't break is is that just something we make up here as sports reporters or is that something that you guys actually talk about as uh, defensive coordinators? 
I don't view them as a bend-don't-break defense. I think they've given up some explosion plays, but they've made so many explosion plays, you know, on the defensive side with all the takeaways and especially late in games. It seems like the defense comes away with a, a huge play that ultimately ends up allowing them to win the game. You know, Mike, it's interesting because uh, the the thing that I keep circling in my mind is, yeah, defensively, they're not great. You look at their numbers, and they're one of the worst teams against the run, and they give up a ton of yards. But T.J. Watt, man, he has been a a wrecking ball, and he has made big plays in big moments and turned the ball back over to the the offense and given them opportunities to win games. I mean, he's been their defense, and they got to have two, three guys. I think it's going to be Musgrave and Tucker Craft and whatever – Whatever tackle he lines up over, it's going to be the responsibility to keep him off of Jordan Love. And we wouldn't be Wisconsin broadcasters if we didn't bring in Kevin King, and they could have had T.J. Watt. But right, you know, they, I know they, they needed a corner before they brought in guys like Jair or Eric Stokes or some of these or Rasul, you know, before that. And and you know, Kevin, remember the tall, seven, six foot three, the long arms. He, you know, you're down there in Dallas, you're taking on the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott's got one of the first running plays, and Kevin's not afraid to square off with Zeke Elliott and take him head on, except he had to leave the game after that with a concussion, but not afraid to hit. The guy who scouted him for Ted was Brian Goodikinst before right. he became the GM. So all that past history. But then the reality is Jordan Love, man, you know, you've got some guys are playing with injuries on your offensive line, and how much, the, you know, here you go through this uh, – situation where you've got to take on T.J. Watt in the Steelers' defense, and does that affect what the Packers can do on offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it affects a lot. Um, you know, offensively, you know, protection, where we're sliding, to make sure we're, you know, getting as many hands as we can on those guys. Um, and just, like I said, just always knowing where they're at, um, you know, kind of how they like to rush, um, just kind of watching through the week and, and what they like to do. But, uh, you know, like I said, just, you just have to have a feel for where they're at. Um, but, you know, T.J.'s a great player, um, plays with like really good effort um, on every play, and I think their whole defense does a good job of that. So, um, some we just got to we got to be able to match that. You know, um, one of the things that the Packers at least have going for them is is that they have faced really tough matchups. I mean, they have been uh, unblessed with facing Max Crosby, who became a game wrecker. Obviously, Aaron Donald was getting after it last weekend. Now you got T.J. Watt and company on the docket. I mean, at least they have faced teams that have given them, you know, this outside pass rush look so they can say, okay, at least we can prepare for this a little bit. Right, right. Like, you know, uh, Zach Tom had to go up against Max Crosby at right tackle. Josh Diamond had to deal with uh, Aaron Donald out there on the left-hand side. This weekend you're seeing T.J. Watt. And, you know, you ask Jordan Love, boy, this is kind of a tough stretch in the Packers' schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the NFL. Um, you know, I think every every team has some good pass rushers, and you see them every week, and it's just, you know, I think we do a good job with having a game plan and being ready for those guys and what we're going to do to try and slow them down. But uh, yeah, that's the NFL. Everybody's pretty good. Um, you know, Mike, uh, I look at this game, and I think to myself that they need to do a lot, and they need to be able to actually, you know, kind of get things going. And it's up to the offensive line not to commit crazy, stupid penalties or to have things that, you know, officials are looking for and to really be aware of stuff like that. I, I just want to see a penalty-free first half of a ball game or at least a minimal penalty and to be able to get a couple of sustained drives to see what it is they can do. Yeah, and at the same time, see if guys can, like, win jobs. You know, when 
David Bakhtiari had to bow out for the season and have that uh, fourth surgery, whatever. By the way, the word is, you know, that he's had it and it's okay. Now he begins his rehab. But Rasheed Walker got started left tackle and started making mistakes. Now they put in Yash. Uh, we talked about Zach Tom, John Runyon. Elton Jenkins needed a breather. And instead of Royce Newman, they used Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan, a third-round pick from last year, only had one snap during the whole season, uh, which was on special teams. And then about late November, word comes down, test positive for illegal substance, not PEDs, illegal substance, and suspended for the rest of the season. And he comes back, and he you know, kind of changes that because last year when he came in as kind of a you know, hotshot rookie, had the, the golden blonde hair and, and you know, looked like a dude just walked in from the beach. Completely changed his look and his tone, but you know he's down there with the with the linebackers. The rest of the offensive linemen are at the opposite end of the locker. They tend to mix it up like that. But he's quiet. It's like there's no one ever talking to him. He doesn't get interviewed much. And so after he got into the game against the Rams, man, he had some key blocks on the best on Aaron Donald. So I talked to him about. Boy, here's your first time in, and you got like a dozen snaps where you're like hyperventilating when they threw you into that game. After the first one, uh, I kind of was able to get my heart rate down, just breathe a little bit. I think it was good being out there, you know, with Josh. You know, he kind of was like, hey, you know, it's all right. He, he kind of he calmed me down a little bit. Do you get enough snaps with him to feel in sync on the left side? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with all of the guys, you know. We're a pretty tight-knit group of guys in the O-line room. So um, just being out there with them was more exciting just because, I, you know, I was able to help the team go down there and score and, you know, be successful. Was it 13 or 14 snaps? you had you know uh i believe i had 10 regular snaps and five pats yeah, so yeah. 15 all together yeah, but yeah. hey that's more than so to finish off the day there's that one where you're against aaron donald yeah a couple Hel of hello yeah hello yeah that was that was wild uh, i didn't want to make it you know anything more than it was you know i was supposed to do my job he's going to do his job and i guess uh so i mean he's still just incredibly upper body strength but it looked like your feet were exactly where they needed to be for leverage, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's – I knew – we all knew going into it that he was really good at getting leverage, and he's very strong. So, you know, my plan, as much as I, as I could have one, you know, going in there real quick is just get my hands on him and, you know, pretty much just – do my do play my game right so yeah. whether it's you uh, and elton jenkins you know you're looking at that tape and envisioning okay here's what i need to do because yeah. here's where here's here's where guys make mistakes and then he takes advantage exactly yeah so talking to all the guys yeah talking to all the guys who played him before they were like hey don't lean on him right, right. so i was like okay well can't lean on him well i can't play high against him because he's just gonna you know push me right back so I guess I just got to play perfect, <laughs> you know? Nicely uh, done, Sean. Thank you very much. There you go. Nicely done. Just had to play perfect. Uh, so that being said, he looked good. You're waiting to see the, the offensive line, if there's going to be a shuffle, what the injuries play out, and hopefully the offensive line plays well. And then you get to Jordan Love, whether it's having time to throw the football and the mechanics. And, Mike, we had talked about Dan Orlovsky, who's been a big supporter of Jordan Love this week, saying he's been the most disappointing player he's seen this year that his mechanics have kind of left him. 
He's, uh, he's regressed. He's not uh, gotten better. He said he's the most disappointing quarterback right now in the National Football League. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that. I yeah. had not heard that. Well, yeah, do, he... Let me ask you this. Grant, do you have it? No, but I can, have that? I can get it in about 15 seconds get, here. Get it, yeah, and yeah. then we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll do it after this. Because, Bill, what I thought was interesting is that they didn't throw in Royce Newman. It's like, you know what? Sean Ryan, you get in there. You play some left guard. Let's see what you can do. And he ends up being on a scoring drive. So you see, they, you know, the evaluations are, are already on. Instead of just going with the, you know, the guys that have had the experience, it's time. We like what he's showing us in practice. Let's see what he does. And he ends up going against the best. So he's got that tape. So that's where this team is at. You know, hey, we're up by 10 or something. All right, let's roll out Sean Ryan and see what he can do. And now that starts raising some eyebrows. Like, hmm, okay, well, you'll, you'll stick with Elton Jenkins there at left guard, but maybe going into next year, this gives us ideas. Could Sean Ryan win a starting guard, guard position? Could Elton maybe be a tackle? Although that's really probably not his best position these days. But, you know, you're getting those kinds of, those kinds of opportunities. Now, have you got the Orlovsky cut? Because I want to hear that. Yeah, I got it yeah. here. Just, just go ahead. Here it is. 30 seconds when he, he, was, he was asked specifically, uh, they were doing who's on the rise and who's on the fall and who's the most disappointing player you've seen this season, Dan, and here was his answer. I say Jordan Love. I don't all disagree with the Giants one, but I think I give them a little bit of grace because of the injuries. Jordan Love, you know, coming off of the performance in the preseason, it's year four, you got to sit for three years. Week one and week two were encouraging, and I still see some of the same issues. Mechanically, too hoppy, too slow at times. Um, the accuracy has declined as this season has gone on, specifically downfield. For a player that I thought was going to ascend coming off of the summer and to start of the season, to see some of the same issues consistently on a week-by-week basis present themselves, I'm disappointed in that. There you go. So, Bill, I watched the tape of the Packers-Rams game, and one of the things I noticed, like, okay, he, he's back there, he's got some time, but Man, he, look how far back he is. He's like mm-hmm. 15 yards behind the line. And when I asked LaFleur about that, I asked him this question. I said, is Love taking dropbacks, is that by intention? And the coach kind of went, you know, like he shook his head like, uh, uh, like maybe he hadn't really looked at that. Here's what his answer was. Yeah, I mean, we, we just, we never want to be deeper than 10 yards. And if you are, you better be ready to hitch up. I, I didn't. It was nothing that, like, I was really concerned about. A lot of it's feel, too, you know. So, um, yeah, in terms of, like, you got to feel the outside presence, those edge rushers, whether or not how hard you have to hitch up into a pocket. And the other thing is, is the accuracy that Dan Olarowski alluded to. He said, look, you know, his downfield passing, is his accuracy is bad. He's, that's the most disappointing. He said he just, you know, he's just not accurate. And so you'd like to see – you know, him be hitting guys a little bit better, you know? Well, everyone's talking about, wow, he's 20 for 26. The, the, the completion rate way up. Well, a lot of those are screen passes. One was a Ford, you know, shovel pass to Aaron Jones. That goes down as a pass reception. And when you right. see Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, or Watson, they all have to dive for these balls. Mm-hmm. They have to, why can't they just run in stride and get yards after the catch? And I asked LaFleur, would you like to see a few more passes where your quarterback hits these guys in stride? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we definitely um, want to throw and lead people and hit them in stride so you can get 
the most out of the game, uh, the play. But I thought, for the most part, I thought Jordan threw pretty accurately. But, Mike, you and I were both sitting there going, there was one or two different plays, three plays specifically that we looked at, and guys were wide open. And he looked at him, and by the time he looked at him, it was too late to throw into that window. You could see the plays develop. That The play worked the way it was supposed to. He just didn't recognize it right away. Right. I mean, it's like you see a guy with the window. He's open. He's 15, 20, 30 yards downfield. But then there's that one extra tick. Like, this is the ball should have been released a tick ago. It's just a little off. So you ask LaFleur point blank, what does your quarterback need to do to be a more accurate deep ball passer? Shut his mind off and let it rip. There you go. That's it. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. Got another segment coming up with Mike Clemens, our guy on the ground. Going to be in Pittsburgh this weekend. We're going to be at the Stillery and Grafton this weekend for the Green and Gold postgame show immediately following Green Bay and Pittsburgh. But come on out because a portion of the proceeds go to Fisher House, Wisconsin. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Welcome back. Today is the anniversary of the uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Man, this is such a sad song, man. Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, but I remember when that happened back in uh, the uh, 1975. I was in grade school, and that was all over the news at the time. So that. So we got Veterans Weekend. We've also got uh, the birthday of the Marine Corps, Edmund Fitzgerald, all these historic things, and our guy Mike Clements. So kind of a band Lightfoot, of <laughs> Lightfoot was getting ready to do a concert. He saw a bulletin on TV about it, did the concert. A few weeks later, details of that uh, sinking came in the newspaper, and he was so moved by it, he sat there right then, got out the paper, and started writing that song. Yeah. And I heard an interview with a guy who worked at Coast Guard where we had bad weather about this time of year on Milwaukee's lakefront where it was throwing rocks on the on the, on the on the you know over the beaches and the roads down there, right? And the guy was said, you know, how bad is it? He goes, well, we got you know swells anywhere from six to twelve feet. Yeah, and he said uh, the guy found out then that this guy actually had worked the night of the Edmunds Fitzgerald. He says, oh, that was much different. We had swells of twenty nine to thirty three feet. Yeah, that's and that's big. That's like pointing straight up and then straight down. No doubt. Never about. had a chance. Never had a chance. Nope. So hey, and to on a, on a little bit lighter note, 
I'm going to ask for number 15, where we talked to John Runyon, who got a couple of these offsides penalties that you've talked about, and he was lining up, and it turns out the NFL really doesn't like the, the tush push out of the Eagles, the brotherly shove, as they're calling it now, because they think quarterbacks are going to get hurt or someone's going to get hurt. So they called a couple of those flags on John Runyon when they were trying to run quarterback sneaks with Jordan Love, and we asked them should maybe they could call their they could call their quarterback sneak a Packer push. I've also heard the love shove too. Um, <laughs> I, I think we ran that little shove play like the last one, uh, the last QB sneak we had like late in the fourth, and uh, it's an effective play. And I think defenses are gonna have to start trying to game plan. I, I really don't know how you can stop it. It's tough. Um, it is going to be difficult to cover, and I feel like as long as it works, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, yeah, I, as long as it's legal, they're going to keep doing it. i got to imagine that probably this offseason, the competition committee in some way, shape, or form is going to begin to eliminate that, Mike. Yeah, why? Man, this is an entertainment right? sport. You know, yeah. love, shove, have some fun for crying out loud. But you know what? That also proves that after beating the Rams, for what it's worth, this team is now having a little bit more fun. You can hear it in that locker room. And that's got to bring a little confidence to you that you're going to need in order to go into Pittsburgh. Last time the Packers won in Pittsburgh, 1970, the, the quarterback for this team was Bart Starr. Ray Nitschke was still on the team. And they beat the Steelers. That They had a new coach named Chuck Noll who put in his new rookie quarterback who threw 20 passes, only had three completions, threw four interceptions, before they gave him the hook, and his name was Terry Bradshaw. Mike, always a pleasure. You are now on your way to Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Have a safe trip, and then we will talk to you immediately following the game coming up this Sunday, okay? Talk to you Sunday night in the post game, buddy. All right, buddy. And for everybody, again, uh, have a t- thank a veteran. If you know veterans, say, hey, it's your day, man, or woman. Enjoy it. We appreciate you. And in doing so, come on out again this Sunday. Uh, Join us for the watch party. We're going to be at the Stillery in Grafton. The Stillery in Grafton game gets underway at noon. Noon until about 3 o'clock, you've got the game. Pittsburgh uh, hosting Green Bay. And then afterwards, we've got the Green and Gold Coat postgame show live from the Stillery in Grafton. Proceeds go to Fisher House, Wisconsin. Have a great weekend. Time for us to go until we talk on Sunday. (laughs) 